When I got to middle school, I was horrified the first time I walked into the school cafeteria. And instead of those long bench-like seats that they had back when I was in elementary school where you could sit seemingly infinite numbers of little children jammed up next to one another, there were round tables, each with eight individual seats. And I got in the line and I went through the line and I got to where I had my food and I was about to sit down and to my horror, there were no seats left at any of my friends' tables. I had to sit down next to people I did not know and who did not want me there and I was rejected. I don't tell you this story so that you feel sorry for me. In fact, it was probably good for whatever pride I had as a 12 or 13 year old at that time in my life. And at the very least, it gave me a pretty good sermon illustration 15 years later. But I imagine that same kind of rejection, that same kind of embarrassment, that same kind of horror of not knowing what to do is similar to what Mary and Joseph felt whenever they got to the inn and they found out there was no room for them there. They were rejected. This is not a detail included in the Bible by mistake. In fact, those don't exist. There are no details in the Bible by mistake. All of God's word is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness. So what does this detail mean? What is it showing us about the birth of Jesus and about our lives in him? Well, first of all, it is about the humility of Jesus. If there were rooms in the inn, then the story would be different and Jesus would not have been born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid into a feeding trough for dirty barn animals. Jesus was born in a humble way. Humble beginnings, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, taking on our humble human flesh. The way that his birth happens with all of its nitty gritty details shows us that. But I think it also shows us this, that at the beginning of Jesus' life, the very birth of him itself, his life is one that is going to be full of rejection. It starts with rejection and there's going to be, as he continues on in his life, lots more rejection. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders are going to constantly fight him, constantly reject his teaching, constantly try to bring others to a rejection of Jesus. He will also say things Like when he goes back to Nazareth, to his hometown, the town where his earthly father, Joseph, is from. And he is rejected by not only people in Nazareth, but by many of his own family members. He will say that there is no place for a prophet in his own hometown. 
He lives a life of rejection. And ultimately, when he goes to the place of ultimate rejection, he goes to the cross, he is rejected. Rejected by the Jews, rejected by the Romans, rejected even by his own disciples who had been with him that whole time. Not only rejected by the disciples with many of them running away, but you can think about Peter even denying that they knew him. A life so full of rejection at that cross, so rejected, even rejected, yes, by his Father in heaven. That is why he cries out, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Rejected. Isaiah would describe that moment this way. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we had hid it, as it were, our faces from him. Smitten, stricken, afflicted, rejected. And so he lived a life of rejection. And as harsh as that all sounds, starting with a simple rejection for a key to a hotel room, It all does kind of make sense. When we ask the question, why was Christ born to begin with? Christ was born, as you well know, because his father sent him to seek and to save the lost. Christ was born to remedy the problem of sin. And rejection and sin, they go hand in hand. All you have to do is go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve rejected God's commands, and so they rejected God. And so God rejected them from the garden. Rejection. It goes hand in hand with sin. And from there, out of the garden, rejected from the garden, rejecting even one another. Cain and Abel, so much rejection. And certainly we have taken part in this rejection ourselves. I would be remiss, even on this most comforting, most beautiful, most wonderful of all nights, to not tell you that you also, like Adam and Eve, have rejected God's commands. You are the sons and daughters of Adam, And you have carried on family traditions, just as much as it is a tradition to sing Silent Night and to light the candles tonight. You have carried on the family tradition from your father, Adam, of rejection, of rejecting God's commands in your life, yes, born into them, and also continuing in your life to struggle against them. A family tradition, one we could be ashamed of, should be ashamed of. But also rejection, participating, us participating in rejection this way, not just by our rejecting God's commands and sin, but I would hazard a guess that you have also felt the rejection, received the rejection of other men.
Whether that was, like me, back in middle school, now it seems like such a small thing, but it didn't at the time, being rejected by peers for just a seat at a table, whether it is estranged family members who you were once so close to and once thought loved you so much who now don't really even want to talk to you except maybe once or twice a year, or whether it is feeling so lost at sea in this world, in this world that is always moving towards some new progressive idea or some new social outrage, and you feel like you don't belong. You feel rejected. You feel that the world has rejected the way that you believe and the way that you think. It is very unlikely, in fact, I think, that you have not felt the rejection of your fellow man. Just like Christ on that holy night, not having any place to lay his head, except for a small feeding trough, it can seem, for whatever reason, very often, like there is no room for you in the inn. But dear saints, tonight I want you to know this, Above all else, Christ was born to bear rejection. First, he came to bear our rejection from God, the rejection we deserve, the kicking out of the garden that we deserved for our many and grievous sins. Christ came to live a life of rejection, kicked out of the inn, kicked out by the Pharisees, kicked out by the Sadducees, kicked out by his own family, crucified by the Romans, put to death by the Jews. A life of rejection, even rejected on the cross, (coughs) excuse me, by his own Father in heaven to bear our rejection. That's the rejection we deserve. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the rejection we deserved. But because Christ bore it for us, because he lived that life, because he went to the cross and took on our sins, he buried our rejections of God, our rejection of his commands with him. And he was rejected for it at the cross. And he gave us in return his acceptance, his sonship by the Father. But second also this, he came to bear your rejection from the world. He said this, if they hated me, know that they will hate you too. For when Christ is born in our flesh, he is giving a place for the rejected, for the downtrodden, for the despised, for those who are smitten and stricken themselves. For as much as his life was a life full of lots of rejection, his life was that much more, even more so, one of acceptance. For Christ accepts you. Despite all the rejection in your life, Despite every kind of rejection in your life, he has come. He has taken on your flesh. He is born tonight to accept you. For while there is no room for him 
at the end, he says this about you. My father has a mansion, and in it I have prepared many, many rooms. I'll give you a key to whatever hotel room you want in my father's mansion above. While there was no seat for me at the middle school cafeteria, I do have a seat, I know this, at the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven, where we will sing praises with no end, where I will have as many friends as I want to sit with all day. And while you might be estranged from family here on this earth, know that Christ is coming to prepare for you a new heavens and a new earth, one where you have a new family unbroken, unhindered by any kind of rejection. And while you might feel lost at sea on this earth, Christ is coming, and he will give you that new earth, and he has adopted you as his own child. He has given you all that you need. For Christ, the one born, the one named Jesus, the one lying in that feeding trough tonight, he is the God of true acceptance. He draws, as he says, all people to himself. For notice tonight, even though he's kind of kicked out into the side yard, into the barn, notice how many come streaming to him. Even though he is rejected off to the side, the angels see it and they rejoice. The shepherds hear of it and they come to find him. The wise men see the star and even though it takes years for them, they can't help but to follow it. That is why I love when I look at nativity scenes, nativity scenes with lots and lots of characters around them. Because even though Jesus was rejected, even though there was no room for him at the end, he was come to bring light and life to so many. Even the animals have to come and look in. I think that's why we put them at the manger scene in the nativities. And so tonight, dear saints, tonight on this most holy of nights, Reject God's ways and his commands no longer. Repent of your sin. It is worth remembering on this night. But fear not the rejection. Fear not the rejection of God, for Christ has now made you one with him. And fear not the rejection even of your fellow man or of this world. For the one who was rejected and despised by all, he has been born in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus, and he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and he has accepted you. He has brought you into himself, and he has shared with you his everlasting life. To him be all the honor and all the glory, now and forever. Amen.